Hello and welcome to the Crack and Banter podcast with me, Reese, and my co-host, Luke. Luke, how are you doing today? I am doing very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the brand new series of the Crack and Banter podcast. It's uh, a joy to be here. I, um, I'm in the new series mode. Uh, the viewers can maybe pretend I'm wearing some sort of fancy dinner suit or whatever to celebrate it. I'm not. But if they want to believe that, then more power to them. Are you? Excellent. I'm very good. Yes, as you have pointed out there, this is the start of a brand new season of the Crack and Banter podcast, season two. So expect almost exactly the same thing, but just uh, a new version. <laughs> um, but yes, we're, we're back with a new season. Uh, you may have noticed we had a couple of weeks break there, just resetting and, and getting back for the new season. And we've had a couple of ideas for some new things and some time to catch up and come back bigger and better than ever look as they say you know mm. and yes I think you've called it out accurately there are our, our new imaginary suits that we could be wearing that we aren't but we could be you know celebrating the start of a new season and a, a brand new launch Um, so I am very happy to be back and uh, yeah back with a new season gives yeah. us a chance to throw some new things in every once in a while as we come back you know and not not get too stagnant not that we ever would we're two very creative gents yeah. but you know <laughs> uh, I think it's good personally I wanted to uh listeners I wanted to kick off the new series with a all singing all dancing musical number but Reese Kanda he's not a big fan of musicals yes of course <laughs> yeah sorry I couldn't couldn't hack it I hate singing and dancing <laughs> <laughs> can't stand it so I said look absolutely not this is a talking podcast and i think we both know that let's uh let's stick to what we know um <laughs> but yeah i think i think this season shaping up to be a good one we've got some some fun new things coming out uh news for this week uh, i'm gonna keep it a little bit lighter on the news because uh, as i said we've been off for a couple of weeks so this is kind of just big major things that have happened in the last few weeks nothing too specific um, unless there's anything in particular you want to talk about but the yeah. only thing I would like to mention is just uh, everyone's obviously on tender hooks waiting for Spider-Man news but I just wanted to give a shout out to Andrew Garfield who is definitely not appearing in <laughs> Spider-Man because I just want to say he's doing very well for someone who's clearly got a gun held to yeah. <laughs> point it at him from behind the camera in every yes. interview he's been doing recently. Andrew Garfield is trying his darndest to not talk about Spider-Man. And man, I feel like he is, that guy's on a tether. Like, it is, it is a matter of time. He just, he looks so unkempt. The last thing he wants to do is talk about Spider-Man. And he knows the moment he sits down for an interview, that's all they're going to ask him about. <laughs> I can't imagine in his head just all he wants to talk about is like the other movies he's in or the reason he's actually on the interview and no people only want to talk about Spider-Man I feel so bad for him yes so poor poor little Andrew Garfield <laughs> trying his best <laughs> to stop talking about Spider-Man um yeah <laughs> can't believe it I know Think but people are definitely holding on for that like I think uh, the two other ones, he's really the only exposed one. Toby Maguire doesn't seem to do much media stuff yeah. in general, so he's safe enough. And I think Tom Holland must just be being kept under lock and key by Marvel and Sony, or else yeah. they'll just, he will 
spoil the whole movie. He's probably just yeah. keeping it in. You know, genuinely, he might not be allowed out until after the movie is released. <laughs> I think Tom Tom Holland is very lucky that people know he's in this. Like, he, he's the only one that for sure he's going to be in the Spider-Man movie. If he was one of the ones who was going to be a big reveal, it would be a nightmare. <laughs> I think he's, he's locked out in that you can be pretty sure he'll be in this. <laughs> but anything else, he would be the worst one possible. Um, I think the only way now to avoid spoiling these movies is just to pull a Mark Ruffalo and spoil it in an interview, but make it seem like a joke. You know, yeah, you yeah. the clip where he says, He's asked what happens in Infinity War, and he says, "Oh, everybody dies." Yeah, exactly. And then, because if you if you always lie, then you need to make sure one of those quote unquote lies is the truth, so that people assume it got mixed up with all the lies. They assume that's not going to be real. Uh, yeah. But I I imagine there's probably teams at some of these big studios whose entire job is just learning how to craft a perfect interview response. You know. Um, and kind of sharing that with some of the actors or if it's not I'm sure that job is going to exist soon because yeah some of them some of them need training non-spoiler training <laughs> before they get sent out to these you know 12 hour press days or whatever that are just they're exhausted by the end that they, they don't care whether they spoil movies or not they're... I think you have to no, I was just gonna say I think to be fair you have to give credit to a lot of them because I mean and it's part of their job, but being interviewed isn't their job. They're yeah. actors, and when you see the clips of them, they do very well. I mean, they do these press junket days, and they keep their energy levels high for a long time, and still appear oh, yeah. charming and charismatic. I mean, <laughs> I think they do deserve credit for that. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, i I feel I feel bad for them sometimes. I mean, obviously these are actors with millions of dollars but still <laughs> if there's ever a way to make me feel bad for them it's watching watching someone at the end of a press day after they've just answered the same question 14,000 times in a row like I I don't know how you cope with that but nonetheless I suppose that's the price you pay for being in a Marvel movie in it <laughs> I think that's why a lot of the ones that do the interviews are nice to you in the traditional interview format and just getting them to do fun stuff because yeah. it gets as many views and they seem to enjoy it more. Like, do you ever see those videos? I can't remember if it's Lad Bible or Unilad, one of the lads, 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 <laughs> uh, does it where they get them to do the two impressions, the two of them do the impressions. Oh, yeah, just yeah, whatever. yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they seem to love that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think anything you can do to spice up your interview is always always going to be taken well by the the interviewee who has to sit there, you know, the and if you can just not ask them the same question again, then you're you're doing something right for sure. Um but yeah, interviews. I actually really like some of those the random interviews and the weird ones and stuff where they do the little games and things. It's always it's fun to see actors just being normal people sometimes, I think is the funniest thing. Um, yeah. But yes, in our in our couple of weeks break there, there's obviously been a lot of a lot of news and announcements because you you can't close your eyes for a second and there not be some new movie coming out. So uh, there's obviously a lot of stuff that we've not missed, but that I don't think we necessarily need to talk about. There's been uh, well, obviously some movies have come out. Uh, we've got uh, Shang Chi, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, Venom's just come out. James Bond, which we're going to talk about. No Time to Die. Uh, in a, a later episode so uh f- 
some movies to catch up on as well and then some trailers and things we've got the hawkeye trailer um trailer for disney's encanto i don't know if you've seen anything about that and of course one of the biggest trailers of of the year so far probably is uh, the matrix resurrections is that what it is this one uh the new matrix movie now any of those trailers or anything else you've heard about or seen about exciting you at the minute look I have to be completely honest. I mean, I would have watched the Haunt Guy trailer. I just had no idea it had been released. <laughs> I, Fair enough. Yeah, I, when, when we're not doing this podcast, we have such little reason to watch these things because <laughs> I know I'm going to I know I'm gonna see the actual show, so I don't really need to... The trailer doesn't need to convince me, you know? Yeah. Well, all I was going to say is, you see, when you do something that's commonly regarded as a trilogy you do a sequel movie like uh the matrix resurrection is a sequel to what has for years been called the matrix trilogy do you have to script to do another trilogy like like star wars can can these movies only come in sets of three (laughs) oh i don't know maybe what did, what did Jurassic What did Jurassic World do? It's oh, it's become the trilogy. That it's become a trilogy one, as well. Yeah, third one should be releasing at any point. No, I, I know it's yeah. been done for ages. I think it was one of the ones that got delayed because of the pandemic. Filming got delayed because of the pandemic, not the release. Yeah, um, but yeah, if that's the case, then I have to say the second Indiana Jones movie, uh, trilogy is off to a very poor start. Um, <laughs> they could do with following up with something better. Although, yeah, actually, but then if was... you if you leave it that long between sequels as well, is it even is this even the second one in that trilogy, or would this be another new one? It's it's very the lines get very blurry. I think. Listen, any effort to wipe Kingdom of the Crystal <laughs> Skull off the face of the planet would make me quite a happy man. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody is claiming this as the sequel to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone uh, associated with this movie is trying to trying to bring people back to that last one. So I would say um, probably going to be a bit of a disconnect there. But yeah, with the Matrix, I don't know because it's also it's it's hard to tell from the trailer as well. I think this trailer kind of where we've got very little of what the movie's really going to be. Or there's, you know, some red herrings or something in there that I feel like because what we saw in this trailer looks very like the Matrix. I wonder either are they going to go down sort of the Force Awakens route of like retreading a lot of old stuff, but introducing a, a, a newer audience, or is it going to be what you saw in the trailer barely scratches the surface, you know, and there's there's a whole nother story here. I would assume it's more the second one just because it's the Matrix. I, I feel like they wouldn't do the matrix again but equally it depends how you know cash grabby it is to a certain extent as well um but i i think i have more faith in them than that i think it could be something cool um but equally i'm not like the matrix isn't my life you know so i i don't really mind too much if this is awful <laughs> if i'm being completely honest i've um it doesn't really excite me at all not not yeah. <laughs> like in a negative way more just because I still haven't seen any of the original Matrix movies, so a lot of this means very little to me. Yes, that that's definitely fair. No, I, I know what you mean, and I, I'm similar. I, I have seen the original Matrix movies, but I, I sort of just liked them. I think, obviously, they're, they came out before our time, so I didn't remember it at the time, and obviously, kind of, 
I, I knew what it was before I watched it, if that makes sense. So I, I was very much aware of the Matrix. So nothing in it kind of blew my mind either. And that kind of weird, you know, it's been parodied so many times to the point where if you watch it after you've seen all the parodies of it, it's kind of a bit of a weird experience, you know, to see something that you've only ever seen a copy of a copy of a copy of it. And then to watch the original feels like another copy, even though it's not. So it's it's a bit of a weird one to like come back to when it's so unbelievably famous, you know? Yeah, um, I, like, yeah I was going to say it's so entrenched in pop culture now. It, yeah. it kind of feels, probably it's not quite in the same scale, but... It is a little bit like what it must have been to try and do the new Star Wars films back uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the 90s. Uh, it's just you are touching back upon something that people thought was never going to get any new additions. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure in that. I mean, I don't envy people. I'm sure, as I said, well, it doesn't mean a lot to me. I'm sure there's a lot of hardcore Matrix fans oh, yeah, who sure. are sitting with... Uh, well, is there anything like Star Wars fans with their <laughs> knives out willing to tear the thing to shreds? But maybe, yeah. maybe Matrix fans are a bit more, well, less toxic than Star Wars fans. <laughs> maybe, yeah. They're, they're a bit more chilled, potentially. Um, yeah, but it definitely is. It's just, well, when something just becomes so big, you know, there's there are so many different ways it can go and it's hard to really try and pinpoint a direction that you think it should go in as well because you know the there's such a variation in fans so you're never going to please everyone and you just sort of have to hope it's good but um i'm not i'm not going to mind if i don't like this matrix movie i'm not going to be too too bothered by it um you, i'll be i'll be okay with that at the very least i mean it would be really difficult for them to actually actively damage the luster of the originals i mean uh, oh, yeah. whilst i've seen it many times my uh well we'll say the lack of fondness for kingdom of the crystal skull it doesn't change in fact if anything it probably makes me love the original three more because they just look so much better <laughs> in comparison yeah. to <laughs> and you sort of you have that like well, thank God I got those first, you know? <laughs> so I think, like, imagine if they made Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as the first one, and then you never would have got to have seen the other Indiana Jones movies, you know? It's like, well, at least at least it was three great ones before they messed it up, because sometimes you don't, you don't get quite that lucky anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just got to take what you get, and, yeah, just because something comes out that you don't like, it doesn't mean the things you like disappear. So take that toxic fandoms i still have to say like i maybe to to quote uh wham well i'm not quite uh once bitten twice as shy though because uh, i mean i think i'm still really looking forward to indiana jones 5 just because i yeah. think the casting i've heard is superb i mean i think we discussed this but i think with phoebe waller bridge being i think it's an inspired casting choice i'm sort of mm -hmm. hoping she's like um no, not quite Lara Croft, but sort of, you know, uh, no, actually, I know him, and she's like, you know, the mummy? Uh, oh, yeah. Retro Vice's character in the mummy. That's sort of like, if you could get a character like that in the Indiana Jones things, I think that would get, uh, work so well. Yeah, definitely. I think that would, that that's definitely something that's maybe been missing before, or certainly something that would slot in very nicely into that, that universe. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that'd be class. Um, now, last thing I want to talk about before we get into into our movie review, uh, because it's it's been 
certain i don't know if it's been running the headlines this week but certainly running the hearts of uh movie fans and video game fans and that is the mario movie cast look have you seen have you seen this i i have and i've been enjoying <laughs> all the memes i'm I've, really struggle to actually gauge people's reaction to it. I think it's yeah. quite a good <laughs> cast. I, I don't have any problem with it, but I really can't tell what other people are thinking. Yeah, because the the jokes would make it seem like people hate it, but also it's like the jokes also aren't they're not deprecating enough for me to think people maybe don't have some kind of fondness for it as well. <laughs> so I know what you mean. It's It's very hard to tell what people actually think. I have you, no idea. I think I was definitely shocked to see Chris Pratt cast as Mario, but I, I was I going to say so much have, shock that I had no opinion. <laughs> just like, okay. Do you, Do you have the cast list handy just for people at home who might not have uh, heard it? Uh, I I remember some of it. <laughs> that's <laughs> That's all I can offer you. <laughs> we have uh, Chris Pratt as Mario. Uh, and Charlie Day as Luigi. Now, Charlie Day as Luigi, I think, is that's very, very inspired. funny. Uh, I think that's great. Um, I'm assuming they're not going to be Italian, or at least they're they're not going to try and do Mario and Luigi's voices, right? Like Chris Pratt and Charlie, sorry, you don't get those two to not do their own voice. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I feel like 100%. Uh, it would it would work in the context of his character and it's not always something to do a really awful Italian-American <laughs> accent. Oh no. I mean, maybe. <laughs> but yes, the other thing is, I, I cared so little about this movie before. I feel like this is just one of those things <laughs> that it's to make people think about this movie and talk about this movie because a Mario movie? Like, like what? <laughs> you know? But, uh, Yes, we also have uh, Jack Black as Bowser, which I also am a pretty big fan of. I think Fantastic. that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I I hope to God he sings in this movie. <laughs> we get a little Bowser, Jack Black, uh, just singing along to like the Mario music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's my dream for Jack Black cast as Bowser. I mean. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we, maybe we won't. They won't go quite that far, but we can, we can hope. Um, we also have Annie Taylor Joy as Princess Peach, which I think is pretty good. Uh, Peach isn't exactly well. I was going to say isn't exactly a major role in the original game. It's not like anyone's a particularly major role in the Mario games. It's very much they're jump they're light. not games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not largely story based. Um, and then just to run through here, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, which is quite funny. Um, Fred <laughs> Armisen as Cranky Kong. <laughs> and uh, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. They're kind of the biggest ones, um, which is hilarious. I, 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 am, I just don't I am, know. <laughs> I am still looking at all these. I mean, it, it's kind of like almost weird because I think it's it's a perfectly good cast. I actually think it's good casting but it also does yeah. have kind of the feel you know when people do fan casts of movies and they end up with kind of an unrealistic list? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just usually like a mix of like internet favorites like, well, Jack Black or Jim Carrey or whoever. 
with mm-hmm. the like the mega stars of the moment in this case Anya Taylor joined yeah, uh, yeah. Chris Pratt it does kind of have the feel of a fan cast like, yeah the, the, it's it's just so like star studded from top to bottom for what is let's be honest quite silly source material there's no like yeah just, okay we'll get a big name for maybe the, the top three characters and then we'll just sort of fill it out with more minor actors it's like no we it, got it feels, money to yeah. spend and we are going <laughs> to spend it and it feels like as as weird as i think some of the choices are they feel like real choices that people like sat down and thought about you know they didn't go okay mario just cast whoever you know it doesn't it's not like that these are you know they're they're one layer deeper i think than the surface level kind of just pick whoever you would pick to do that voice you know it's, it's um, like i find it they, interesting they just got really lucky and their first choice for every role was available for me <laughs> yeah. to do it like, yeah they maybe they maybe lucked out i wonder i wonder did they time this like these in uh not interviews but like um meetings and things with uh with the cast and with sort of agents and things did they time it perfectly over covid where everyone was so bored and was willing to do whatever they got offered (laughs) you know did they just no one had had done a role in like four months no one had any idea what they were going to do next and then along comes nintendo with the the mario cast list and you're like yes i'll do it i'll do whatever and i mean also it's 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 voice work you know so here's a few million million dollars to sit in a booth and say it's a me a few times i mean yeah. i imagine they're all they're all pretty happy to do that you know yeah. uh it's a me too <laughs> <laughs> no i was gonna say to be fair actually this is more of an aside really than something relevant i mean king and michael key is a real worker i mean uh, jordan oh, peele yeah. is i suppose the bigger name now but i mean i feel like i see uh Keegan, Michael Keegan, far more things than yeah. uh, Jordan Dale. I mean, I know that's more because Jordan Dale's behind the camera these days, but like Keegan Michael Key seems to be a go to guy yeah. uh, for comedy movies and stuff at the moment because you just you do see him in literally everything. Yeah. And he always, always brings it to in everything he's in. Like, even a middling movie, he'll, his jokes will be good, you know, uh, which is, always great i'm always happy to see keegan michael key in anything oh, like oh absolutely um i well similar goes for the rest of the cast to be fair i'm all, always happy to see most of these people in in things so uh yeah it's it's a, such a good cast if you like if you just read the cast and didn't know what what they were being cast as you'd be like man this is going to be a good movie and then it's just the curveball is that it's mario i think that's the weird part you know for me is like Man, I I like all those actors, and it's a Mario movie, you say. <laughs> so, it's just it it throws that extra little what the hell is Hollywood talking about thing that I always love and always appreciate <laughs> is just the mysterious world of Hollywood executives trying to come up with movie ideas, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So, uh, yeah, definitely definitely interested to see where uh where the mario movie goes and what it's going to be about presumably you I mean you can't really make like the mario games into a movie can you i don't know well uh the the ones where you do like the jrpg stuff i suppose they've got yeah, that yeah. material but i'm i imagine it's more just going to be slowly connected to 
maybe the classic Mario plot where they've got to go through different worlds to finally reach the castle and save Peach. But I imagine yeah. it'll probably be a bit more narratively complicated than that. And obviously, um, with us being a more enlightened society, I can't imagine uh, Peach is just going to be a complete damsel in distress like she is yes. in the games, you know, because well, yeah. it's 2021. Exactly. And also, uh, I'd be a bit I'd be a bit annoyed if they gave Annie Taylor-Joy so little to do yeah. <laughs> in this movie. That would be a bit of a waste, I think. So, oh. um, yeah, definitely. It is, uh, it is animated, isn't it? I've just been assuming it is, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. Illumination, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I quite like. Mm-hmm. I, I like a lot of the Illumination stuff. Um, the the Minions movie, obviously. He was uh, going to say it's going to be a Minions, real Minions memes. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Minion memes. Why uh, so... <laughs> I was going to say it'll be a real change of pace for the, the animators at Illumination who presumably have been drawing 3D ovals for the past however many years to actually get to do something different. <laughs> to draw a person for the first time in a few years, yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that always good to have a little bit of weird random news on the on the podcast that's a bit strange and uh, confusing. So I'm glad we had some to come back to because it's my favorite thing. Uh, but that's that's all our news anyway. We will get right into our our main segment for today, and that is our movie review of Shang Chi, the new Marvel, well, new Marvel movie. It's uh, we're a few weeks out here because. <laughs> We saw this before we took our break and then uh, we took a break for a few weeks. So we're maybe a little bit behind, but we've got it's some thoughts nonetheless. <laughs> it's still in cinemas, exactly. It still counts. Um, so we will be doing this as part of our quest for the best movie of all time, where we give these movies a, a score um, in different categories, giving it an overall score out of 50. And then we compare that to some of the other movies that we've reviewed so that within time and many more seasons of this podcast we will find the greatest movie of all time now before we do all of that we'll give a very quick spoiler free review um just so in case anyone hasn't seen it we'll just sort of share our thoughts quickly so look spoiler free review what did you think um well if it was to sum it up to a small number of words i would say uh, man punches things including his dad until he finds inner <laughs> peace <laughs> no, I was. I think the main thing I would focus on in a spoiler-free review—it's a decent story, but what I—I I can't remember if I said if this was my prediction based on what I saw in the trailers, or I read someone else say this. Uh, if anyone cares to find, they can look through the episodes until they find the episode where we discuss the trailer. But it was discussed at a time. Well, or sort of from the trailers, could this be the best sort of fights? Uh, have the best fight scenes in the MCU and I am delighted to say that in my opinion yes it does this is proper top class uh, action choreography and it's brilliant martial arts choreography not just by the standards of a non-martial arts film this can honestly sit aside some of the great martial arts films uh, as an example of how to really draw the audience in and tell a story with um, fists. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, yes. really, I really enjoyed this. I mean, pretty much this point, MCU 
don't miss. But the fact that they're still striving for quality and to try and uh, reach into new genres that they haven't before and succeeding is, in my opinion, very admirable. Mm-hmm. Is it is it necessarily the best um, MCU movie? Probably not, but it's definitely in the top half rather than the bottom half. And it's a very strong sort of. Um, I know we're not. It's not the first film of this phase. But yeah, as one of the films at the beginning of this phase, it sets it up very well, and I, I'm quite excited to where we to see where we go next now with um your quantum manias and your multiverses of madness and all that. Uh, so yeah, I really liked it. Most definitely. Well, I think you've given a very coherent <laughs> review there, and I would agree with I think all of it. Um, so without without a. Uh retreading too much of what you said i'll i would say i definitely agree and uh yeah it's a movie that looks absolutely amazing i think that's probably one of the best things about it is just looking at it (laughs) rather than watching it sometimes you know is actually just Mm -hmm. looking at something so beautiful on screen um yeah as you're saying kind of about this not being the first movie in this phase but certainly what feels like the first movie in a new direction for marvel i think yeah, um, you know, a, a sort of not not a new genre, but moving into kind of a mix of genres that they weren't using before. Um, certainly with the martial arts arts aspect, uh, I think they yeah handled really really well, and I think it looks just so good. And compared to Black Widow, which if anyone didn't hear our review, is maybe the movie we've been harshest on. <laughs> which and it absolutely wasn't bad by any means, but after sort of being seeing that and and it being kind of the start of this new phase to a certain degree um having this kind of felt this felt like a fresher start and like something really new and different i think because black widow was very familiar uh with the mcu to what we had seen before this felt like oh yeah we're, we're we're getting some really cool new stuff here that we haven't seen before and that i'm very very excited to to see more of so it was a uh, very good, both in terms of just in and of itself, but also for yeah setting up and introducing things that really, for sure, excited me. So uh, that's 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 all I'm gonna say before I accidentally spoil something. <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems like we both definitely definitely liked it. Would you say, Luke? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Um, so we'll just get right into our spoilers then. Uh, honestly, thought that might have been Mephisto at the end. <laughs> <laughs> there was a chance I was like, "Are we gonna get a? Are we gonna get a Mephisto here?" There's some kind of giant demon entity behind this door to what's arguably hell or some kind of afterlife, maybe because his dead wife was there. Maybe it's hell, but it wasn't. It was just evil, evil pterodactyl things, squid pterodactyl things. I don't know. Kind of from. <laughs> Kind of reminded me, I thought it was a bit Lovecrafty in the sort oh, of yeah. sucking monster that, yeah. like, uh, that wanted to get some Dragon Balls. So we had that in common with yeah. Goku. Yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. Uh, no, actually, I really liked it. Um, I think, yeah, I think there's good and bad parts. Um, we'll just start working through the categories, I think, t- to keep us on track a little bit before I start going talking about random stuff. So, uh, first thing we'll talk about is characters we normally spend quite a while talking about this um characters in this movie 
like all Marvel movies, the characters kind of shine, you know, they're, they're comic book characters. So it's, they very much do lead the story. I think probably in this is probably one of the Marvel movies we've got like the least character work in, as you say, there's very much a focus on the kind of the action and the visuals, not to say that we didn't get character work. We obviously did, but um, yeah, I, I think for a movie that introduced almost entirely new characters as well, we got a few returning characters, which was uh, great. <laughs> I, I loved seeing uh, some of those guys come back, Wong especially. Shout out to Wong, because every time he shows up on screen, it's just a blessing. So uh, shout out to that. But uh, yeah, for like almost entirely new characters, I was really impressed with this. Um, what what did you think of characters in this standouts, what? anything like that? Well, I think we discussed this during the trailer. The, I said that I hadn't realised Aquafina was going to be in it. I was really excited about that because I think I love Aquafina. I think she's so yeah. funny. And she was. Aquafina. 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 That's the only thing I'm not sure. Spell, spell Aquafina, but it's also, it's obviously always said with like an American accent. So it's hard to tell yeah, with our accent how you there. should say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. she knocked out of the park. She has properly sure. set herself up now. I mean, she's got now this gig in the MCU. I, I think mm-hmm. she's going to be in more stuff now because I thought she was really good in it. Not just the comedic stuff. But I thought she played her character really well. Yeah, definitely. As like a, a sort of humor as a defense mechanism type of character, it felt like in a lot of times. So seeing her kind of uh, when she became more serious and when she kind of found a direction in her life a little bit at the end as well, it felt very earned, I think, given what we had seen so far with that character. It felt deserved and kind of, yeah, you, you want to see this character do more stuff and kind of become a bit of a hero, which I, I really liked. Um, we obviously have Simu Liu, Simi Liu. I'm going to pronounce all these names wrong, sorry, uh, as the titular Shang-Chi. We, I, I did appreciate in the movie getting the little explanation of how to pronounce the name, even though I'm almost definitely doing it wrong still. But uh, I, I liked that inclusion because it's, an, it's a name that everyone was pronouncing wrong because everyone said Shang-Chi, and I think we said it in the podcast as well, um, yeah. because it was a because it was a name that was forever written down and only read, you know, because it was from comics. <laughs> so it was kind of this interesting thing of like hearing a name that you only ever saw written. And uh, I liked that they just, they were like, let's just break it down for everyone in the movie <laughs> and actually kind of sit them down and explain it. And I, I appreciated that a lot um, because it would, yeah, I think that's just, it's kind of just a funny thing to do because it's kind of what people were doing on the internet already you know so it felt very true to life that moment of just okay no my name is this I also love the joke that he changed his name to Sean uh which I think sounded almost the exact same I really like that joke I thought that was so yeah. funny um, yeah I was actually I was actually sort of gonna touch upon related to that that I yeah. think um in terms of character I did uh, enjoy sort of somewhat lost on me because obviously it's not my lived experience but mm. I did enjoy the um they explored the idea of what it means to be from somewhere like uh, China living in the USA where you try where you want to become part uh, ingratiate yourself into the US culture while still staying in touch with your heritage and, yeah and the difficulties of that I mean I thought that was very uh, well done and I'm guessing lots of people involved in the movie um, mm-hmm. be whether they were first, second or third generation immigrants um, 
that was their lived experience and that's why it was so well done because it was based on real people yeah and i think that's part of shows you the value of um diversity in places like hollywood because i mean let's be let's be honest even as even as short a time ago as maybe 10 years ago there there would have been um well, I was going to say there would have been uh, correctly cast people in the roles, but maybe not because I mean, Avatar and Dragon Ball were only 10 years ago and they were whitewashed. But I was going to say yeah. 10 years ago, whilst the stars might have been um, Asian of this movie, the people making it may well have so all been white yeah. men and it, you wouldn't have got that, but done as well as it was. And that's basically just the point I'm trying to get at. Yeah. yeah, the importance. Of diversity when it comes to make well when it comes to making all movies but specifically mm-hmm. in this case getting a realistic depiction of how it works in real life and yeah. i think it really it was a real boon for the quality of the movie and the writing yeah i i, I agree i think as you say it, it's not our lived experience but um i i thought it, it did feel certainly to me real in that sense of there was no there was no f- focus on it in like a particular way other than just it was their real life if that makes sense it yeah, wasn't like absolutely. it wasn't anyone's defining feature because obviously it, it's it isn't anyone's defining feature in real life you know so I think that's what made it feel real is that it was it was there and it was it obviously existed but it didn't it wasn't the whole character was the fact that they were you know as you say whatever generation of immigrant I think that's that's part of it because that's what life is you know and I think that sounds so simple like when we explain it but as you say it wouldn't happen without that diversity behind the camera as well so um yeah. obviously obviously important in case <laughs> in case anyone didn't know that obviously that's important um so yeah it's definitely worth uh, talking about and having more movies like this I think you know we wouldn't have got a movie that looked like this without that so um I I just loved it and I think there's kind of seeing just such a different uh attitude towards this movie i suppose that having that inspiration then also kind of influences so much about how the movie looked as well which i think i've definitely appreciated in having this new direction for marvel and um, which is something i'll we'll talk about a little bit later um in some of the other uh, categories here but yeah certainly came through in the characters um yeah. Who else do we have? We had, well, as I say, Wong returning, which is always great. Um, I, li- I like what they're doing with Wong now because it sort of felt, um, you know, you got a bit of it in Doctor Strange, but I don't think th- it was really shunted to the side in Doctor Strange, uh, yeah. the original Doctor Strange, but now he's been in a few more things and it looks like he's going to be in even more things coming up. His personality's really coming to the fore. And yeah. He's just a really entertaining, well written character. Yeah. I, I agree because he is smart, but also like d- funny and doesn't have time for anything <laughs> ever. Like he's constantly just on to the next thing, which I think is really, really funny because he just feels like he, he doesn't feel like he has any time to like join in with this superhero crap. I feel like he would call it, you know, like it feels yeah. very much like he's sort of allowing the Avengers to go and play their games and sort of have their fun while he's doing real work kind of stopping multi-universal beings from destroying magic and stuff you know uh, and he's like yeah yeah okay fight your robots I've got stuff to do <laughs> you know and I, I find that really funny that's certainly the attitude I seem to get from from Wong in 
uh, well, in, in all the movies he's appearing in now, uh, which I am a big fan of. Related to Wong and another character in the film, I'll uh, call upon your Marvel expertise here. Would I be correct in saying his Fight Club partner was um, was discussing this was Jordan? Was it A-Bomb? I believe it's Abomination uh, who did yeah. show up in the Incredible Hulk movie. A, a different looking version. This this one looks yeah. more comic accurate, but uh, we are meant to see Abomination in the She-Hulk series, so we'll know yeah. then for sure if it's uh, if it's the yeah. same or not. But certainly, yes, one of one of those Hulk Hulky characters. Yeah. But as far as I know, yeah, it was it was Abomination. So yeah. uh, exciting. I yeah, that's like seeing that. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we weren't sure about, whether it was A-bomb or Abomination, but uh, that explains why I thought it might have been A-bomb, just because it didn't look like what the Abominations I've seen yeah. do. But that, I just wanted to pick up upon, was interesting, because as you mentioned, the She-Hulk movie, like that's two characters in two movies from the Hulkverse. So it's mm. really sort of being reintroduced into the MCU. I mean, obviously Hulk's always been there, but I mean, it was just really Hulk on his lonesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there was definitely like a what seemed like a bit of a kind of distance being kept from the whole Hulk series and kind of everything mm. attached to it. Um, so yeah, it's nice to see those those characters coming back over and Hulk actually being yeah a, a big player in the MCU because I think they were a bit scared of making any more Hulk movies, which is understandable given the previous attempts, but. Oh. Um, Certainly cool to see those characters. There's so many cool characters in the Hulk series, like in the Hulk averse, uh, that, that it would be worth seeing. Last bit of Hulk discussion in a movie that didn't actually have <laughs> anything to do with Hulk. But did you notice uh, Bruce wasn't in the Professor Hulk form anymore? He was just normal Bruce <gasps> Banner. I did not even think about that. Look, you're correct. Interesting. I, I'm very glad you pointed that out. I did not think about that for a second when I saw it. Because, of course, he still had this sling, I think, didn't he? Which means it's he still has his injury from Endgame. Yeah. So it's definitely after that. Well, obviously, the whole thing takes place after that. But, um, wow, I I didn't clock that at all. I mean, obviously, I saw that he wasn't, but I it did not register with me in any way. Yeah. That is I very just, interesting. Oh, there's got to be some theories there. Because I, I had just yes. assumed the Professor Hulk thing was permanent. Yeah. That was his now preferred form. Yeah, because of course, at, even at the end of Endgame, I think at, at Tony's funeral, I think he was in the Hulk, Professor Hulk form as well. Like, I don't think he came out of that at all in, in Endgame. That's mm -hmm. very interesting. I'm, I haven't seen anyone talk about that either. That's, that's a good spot on your behalf, look, because I've not seen anything about that, actually. Yeah. That's, that's going to raise a few questions now. But, uh, I mean, it's it was, probably just they probably just didn't want to do the CGI anymore, or they just yeah. thought, let's not do this. Also, because Professor Hulk maybe got memed too much, they didn't want to keep <laughs> using that character. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, if that is like a, a story thing, if uh, there's a reason, maybe he's not staying yeah. as, as the Professor Hulk version anymore, or I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But that's Definitely that's kind of cool because I I I really like Professor Hulk, but also. There's like there's a million other Hulk things they can do with that character as well, and I think maybe just having him have figured it out off screen maybe might ruin your chances to explore some of those other things. So yeah. I, I want to see what else they do. I want them to do the the 
gangster hulk the gray one he wears like a giant uh pinstripe suit i, I, want, oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I want that guy yeah. no <laughs> that's my I, dream I, probably they had to change it because realistically the whole character is the struggle between the hulk and bruce i mean if they're in harmony yeah. there's not really any point to the hulk yeah i think it made sense for endgame because obviously it was funny um but also then it meant you didn't need to also include that character dynamic which maybe would have oversaturated the movie so i think it was probably a good move for that um yes. but yeah it, it does make sense to have that character maybe take a one one step back so we can see some more of that struggle because i think that would be cool um well before we finish off characters we should talk a little bit about the mandarin uh, or the, <laughs> the second Mandarin we've seen, <laughs> uh, the the leader of the Ten Rings and um, master war chief, uh, wearer of the the Rings of Power himself. Uh, pretty pretty good, pretty standout in this movie. Actually, I really liked him. Um, yeah. I thought this was a very menacing villain, but a, quite a dynamic one as well. Um, uh, probably one of Marvel's stronger villains that we've seen recently. I, I don't know. What what did you think? I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, I think I quite like the character. I just find the level of power the rings bestowed maybe a little inconsistent, but I suppose mm-hmm. technically a lot of the power was offset by the protector granting power to most of the people that fought. And I don't think we really got an idea of just how powerful the rings were. So yeah. I think that would have been interesting. But I think, yeah, well-written character because his intentions were good. He just couldn't... He was bl- so blinded by grief and madness yeah. that he couldn't really see reason. Uh, so I think definitely more interesting than a lot of villains. Probably wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily say he was my favourite villain ever, but yeah, yeah, better than the average one. Yes. Uh, kind I'll, of I'll... this whole movie just not quite the best <laughs> but still better than that very good yeah um yeah sort of just one one level above doing the easiest thing you know uh which i think is is appreciated um okay well there were many well, other characters but i don't want to dwell on anything for too I long was say, anymore to bring up yeah yeah i can't believe you mentioned uh the actual mandarin without mentioning his uh oh of course <laughs> of course uh, often imitated but never replicated Ben Kingsley <laughs> yeah. showing up again reprising his role um, hilarious so I actually I didn't know he was in this I, I yeah. had no idea I hadn't seen anything about it until I was in the in the cinema so very funny to see that character yeah. back I didn't think yeah. they were going to do that um, but really really great I think again just a treat to see him on screen and just lots of little jokes and I think that's really good. I would like to point out that I feel like I was proven right. Uh, loads of years in the mech, and but I I find the his Trevor Slattery really funny in Iron Man three. And probably one of yeah. my favorite things about that movie, which and I don't dislike Iron Man three. I just think it was pretty much just okay. But people, everyone at the time was furious because like, oh, this isn't the real Mandarin. Marvel have ruined the character of the Mandarin. But I was like. He's clearly someone just impersonating the Mandarin. He's not yeah. the real Mandarin. The yeah, real exactly. Mandarin will come along at some point. And I was right, although obviously 
the Mandarin isn't actually the Mandarin. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. that term quite amusing being uh, come up by ignorant Westerners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's sort of, it's saved, it redeemed the character of Trevor Slattery in a lot of people's eyes because now they could like, oh, now we know he's not ruining this great villain. We can just appreciate, appreciate the Appreciate it, yeah, exactly. And ben Kingsley, for some of these, like, I would have always thought of a super serious like actors <laughs> yeah. and proper Oscar stuff has absolutely impeccable comedic abilities. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say to see him, it's always so fun to see that like an actor just who, as I say, or as you say, you would associate with being so serious, and to see them just really like kneel, uh, some some comedy is just. It's really good because, you know, sometimes you would just get a big name like that for the sake of it. And you you wouldn't actually know whether this would be kind of their strong suit or not. So it's very satisfying to see that this really is like one of his strengths. Uh, and I hope I hope he gets to do more comedy now. I think, uh, you know, get Ben Kingsley in for whatever. <laughs> no, no, I don't care what it is, but get him to tell some jokes, you know, because he, he can do it. He's proven himself now. Not that he hadn't proven himself as an actor before, but certainly proven himself as a comedic actor now. So, hell yeah, get Ben Kingsley in everything. And uh, oh, yeah. I'll be having <laughs> Anyway, I think, to be fair, yeah, you're right. We spend quite a while on characters. We often do, though. I think, you know, char- it's, it's no surprise that characters drive movies, you know. But um, where, where would you land then with a score out of 10 for, for characters? Yeah, I would say this was probably joint with the action sequences is my favourite thing about the movie. So, I mean, I think... I'll let you decide. I think it's either a seven and a half or an eight. So I'll let you pick. I would I would go with a seven and a half. I think that's kind of where my head's at as well. Because um, I would definitely be between a seven and an eight. So I think 7.5 is the exactly what that is. So <laughs> let's go for that. Um, all right, direction we have next. Uh, obviously, we both mentioned how this is a bit of a different um, Marvel movie and obviously has some martial arts inspiration. Uh, so I definitely think there's there's got to be some points in it for that, just for creating something so different. And uh, especially, we've, we've mentioned a lot of times when, we, when it comes to Marvel, it, it can be very hard for a director to put their own stamp on it and to make something that that's different. But I think they, I think that's definitely... A big part of this movie is, is how different it looks and, and how much there really is yeah. quite a unique um, look to it. So I think there's, yeah, definitely deserves some appreciation for that and some credit. Yeah, I, I was actually going to say, we'll get on to the action sequences, obviously, in a bit, but I liked a lot of the directorial choices in this film. I mean, as you said, it was more st- stylized and than a lot of Marvel movies and a much better colour palette. I mean, loads oh, of yeah. interesting environments like the Hong Kong Fight Club, um, the sort of I can't remember the name of the place they go to, but sort of the the different world. I thought the nature and all that looked really vibrant and bright. And I'll tell yeah. you what made a difference, and it's made a difference for a few Marvel movies is is a really interesting soundtrack. Um, yeah, probably not music I would listen to, but. It gave the movie a lot more character. You know, a lot of Marvel movies just sort of have the copy and paste epic hero soundtrack. But this is <laughs> yeah. a lot sort of uh, uh, like rap and and all that. I thought just 
gave a bit more flavor to the movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I want to say it was Idiot Rising did this soundtrack. Could be wrong, but I I I listened to quite a bit of their stuff before, and I think they're really good. They're sort of a collective of different musicians and um, rappers and singers and and artists. I think they're very talented, but especially for something like this, it really it really worked and sort of accompanied the movie in a very good way. And again, it just adds to that uniqueness. I think again, you know, um, that shows that effort of thinking one step kind of further than than the screen actually going okay and and what's the soundtrack going to be for this how do we have kind of a score and a soundtrack that really fits with what we're trying to do here and i think uh this this massively succeeds um in in doing that so i think direction is going to be a a high scorer for me um we can talk a bit about the fighting as well because obviously that's a big part of this movie, as you say. What did you say? A story told with fists? Is that how you described it earlier? Yeah. Um, and I think that's pretty pretty much a perfect tagline for this movie. So, um, yeah, the, the fight scenes, we obviously have a few, uh, well, quite a lot of action in this. It's kind of very much the driving force behind this movie. But uh, standouts for me, I think, would definitely be the, the bus fight. I think that's one for a lot of people. And uh, I really love the, um, in the forest, the fight between uh, the Mandarin, I know that's not, he's not the Mandarin, but, uh, and um, Shang-Chi's mom, when they first meet that interaction, mm-hmm. uh, I think that fight was so, so cool looking as well. I thought it was just I, like mesmerizing almost, you know, um, but both of those were big standouts for me. I got serious. Um, is it? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, that's what the, I thought. <laughs> from the fight between the Mandarin and uh, Chong Chi's mom, I thought as it really reminded me of that, like the the, the way they moved and all that. Uh, yeah, yeah. The bus scene, the the tram fight scene, I think is honestly. I mean, put that up there right now with yeah. the elevator fight from the Winter Soldier. As oh yeah, the absolute peak of Marvel fight scenes. It was it was so good and yeah. just like uh, obviously i'm not an expert but from what i've seen of martial arts and stuff it all looked really legit like yeah, sort of a really yeah. i would say modern hybrid of martial arts plus maybe like some sort of mixed martial arts elements you know, like boxing and wrestling tech towns yeah I mean, it just it all looked really real which i think is the best compliment you can give to a fight scene like that while still having a sort of fantastical element yeah uh definitely and i think it's i i think i've said this before about sort of the winter soldier and similar movies that these are definitely the fight scenes that stand out to me and that i definitely prefer in marvel movies compared to you know people flying and shooting lasers not that that's not okay. spectacle but you know there is an element of being very aware that that's fake <laughs> as well you know and kind of seeing a big ball of red light doesn't really you've got no sense of whether that would hurt or not because all it really does is like send someone flying into a wall most of the time so seeing people you know really punch and kick each other uh, is a, a lot more visceral and kind of you really feel the the weight of the whole fight and the like the intensity as well of that being on the the moving tram and then combining that with things moving and getting sliced in half and then there's like just normal civilians on the tram as well that you're trying to kind of protect i thought it just it really like built that scene uh 
adrenaline wise, I guess would be the word. Um, I thought was so strong, but as you said, that is, that's going to go down in the, the MCU history books for sure. Um, I thought it was just spectacle is, is definitely the word that comes to mind whenever I talk about this movie. Uh, so big, big points for direction. What are you thinking? Eight or a nine, maybe? Uh, yeah, I was sort of thinking around that uh, way. Um, I don't really just give like half points all the time, but I feel like an <laughs> 8.5 is really where I was sitting at with it. I think that is that is right. And that, that rounds off our 7.5, unless, of yeah. course, we do more 0.5s in the next <laughs> categories. Um, but we'll see how we get on. Uh, I, writing I, 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 is the next one. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was, no, I was just going to say, I sometimes think we should switch to a 20-point scale. Then I realised if we did that, we would just use half points again. So we'd again. Tend to do like quarter <laughs> points and just yeah. all get a bit silly. Uh, and if there's one thing this podcast is not it's silly no time for silliness on the crack and banter podcast no thank you internal consistency that's all that matters (laughs) exactly uh so writing is our next category i want to say not that this is the weak point for me because i still think it's good but i think maybe certain plot points were a little bit generic and some things particularly like big dragon fight at the end while I thought it was very cool and I'm always happy to see a dragon I wasn't I wasn't I don't think as mesmerized by that as I was by things like the bus or the tram uh, fight and stuff like that you know um so maybe that would be my problem is maybe some stuff felt a little bit rote but equally it was still felt very fun and like nothing to uh nothing was like confusing or anything which I think is also a good good thing in a movie like this it would be easy to throw in like when you have all these new characters and new things to introduce it would be easy to kind of confuse people so maybe there's an element of trying to keep it simple as well um but yeah what what did you think when it came to writing uh i actually interestingly enough thought the writing in this movie was at its best when it was doing comedy i think this is yeah touched upon this sorry i think this is a genuinely funny movie and laughed a lot more than I would a lot of comedy movies. I think uh, the banter between Sean and Aquafina's character was especially funny. Um, yeah. I, the Hotel California joke payoff, <laughs> I think, got as much laughs as in the theatre I was in as um, pretty much any in any yeah. movie I've seen. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, and the Trevor Slattery, I laughed a lot. Uh, during the mm-hmm. movie so i mean i think you have to get props for that but unfortunately yeah. it's said that it is a somewhat uh by the numbers plot as a lot of first marvel movies are to expect probably the second or third down the line which i assume we'll get to have um slightly more complex plots yeah uh, I, I just find it a little bit get to the next place so we can have the next fight kind of thing you know it was a a little bit go to this place to get this thing and then that'll lead you to the next place to get the next thing and you it felt like a like a jrpg (laughs) you know like you're playing like a a final fantasy game or something and you just kind of go to a place do a fight so you can collect that item that you need to get to the next place you know um which isn't like a big problem again because the it was getting to those places so you could see the good stuff which was the fights uh, and the comedy you know um so again it's it's not like that's a massive issue but it's just you know it, it 
compared to how good everything else was, I think is also the big, <laughs> the big thing is like when you have such great action, it feels a little bit disappointing when it's just go and do the thing, you know? Yeah, I think to be completely honest, especially if the next Shang-Chi movie is a big step up, this one probably could over time get lost in the shuffle. I think sort of the memory of the fight scenes will remain, but it's yeah. it's not going to be considered one of the essentials, unfortunately. And I think uh, whilst the writing acts really well as a vehicle to move the plot along to different fight scenes, which are, as I say, are the highlight of the movie, it, it, it does, unfortunately, you know, when there's so many well-written Marvel films, I think without that, it does stop it from quite ascending to the level it maybe could have been. Yeah. But again, that is harsh, as I said, given a lot of first Marvel movies for a character do tend to be uh, their weakest one. I mean, I'd be expecting this character to really go places, especially in the overall plot. Yeah, I think I I definitely appreciate that it moved everything along very quickly, <laughs> which was nice. It, it, um, even if the writing was a little bit generic, it was kind of, it got you through the movie quick, you know, it, it was in and out and then do a fight. So I I think that's a good thing as well when you kind of, if, if you know that that's not going to be the the main thing. Um, but yes, maybe maybe this the slightly weaker part of this movie, if I had to, if I had to be harsh. Um, so where would you kind of land with that then for a score? Six. I mean, it would probably be a five were it not for the comedy. I think the comedy is just, uh, yeah. was really well written. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's true. If we, you know, if we call a five kind of the point where a, a movie gets good, it's definitely good. You know, it's, it's hardly yeah. badly written, but um, I think I would agree that it's, it's, it's good writing with some really great comedy, but maybe not much more than that um okay so then we have our uh, design as an overall statement but that includes our special effects uh costume design and uh, any kind of production-esque things that make the movie look the way it looks <laughs> as kind of the the more specific title for this category um what what did you think i think special effects wise everything looked pretty good to me uh, these marvel movies they kind of have that kneel down um was there anything that you thought that stood out to you as being looking a little bit ropey or anything? Uh, I, to be honest, no. I think this movie had really great CGI and special effects. I mean, I think on this podcast, we maybe have a tendency some at times to rag on CGI just because a lot of movies are kind of bad looking CGI. <laughs> yeah. uh, the only thing I think wasn't absolutely brilliant is maybe the, the big soul-eating monster was maybe a little gen not generic's harsh but um it, it didn't feel it didn't unique. particularly look like anything yes yeah, yeah. um but, I, mean, I, I would agree with that but yeah that's not that's not a massive issue especially because man that dragon looked so good <laughs> yeah I was going I was actually going to say that the water dragon was phenomenal and honestly yeah. I'm really struggling to think of a better done cgi creature in any movie i thought it was <laughs> yeah. seriously good yeah definitely i think uh i mean i'm a big smog fan but i think this probably blows that out of the water it's just such a unique design while still feeling very much like a classic uh you know dragon 
drawing that you would see in a book and like being able to capture that and not make it look cartoony and dumb as well just extremely cool (laughs) extremely cool uh love to see a big dragon always always love to see a big dragon um i would say i'm not i'm not like a massive fan of the costume and that like the red scale stuff um i mean it looks fine but I, I thought it was maybe a little bit boring. I could I could see this potentially going in future movies, that costume becoming a bit brighter red and, you know, the more uh, cartoony costumes that kind of, you know, like Marvel do this, where they'll test the waters a bit and then they'll give the costumes a bit more vibrancy as you go through. I could I could see that happening maybe in the future with these, uh, these costumes, but it felt a little bit generic, not generic, just a little bit dull for me, <laughs> which yeah. is maybe, maybe that's harsh again. It's, it definitely wasn't bad and it still looked cool, but I would, you know, I, I like to see a bright red tunic or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever he's wearing, you know, um, sleeveless dragon scaled tunic. It, it should look ridiculous <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Um, two but best, yeah. I would say the two best dressed characters in the movie were Aquafina at the Hong Kong Fight Club. And mm-hmm. um, I tell you who, this suit was really clean. Um, the Mandarin's suit uh, yeah. in the flashback where he meets his mom. That is a that is a sharp suit for sure. <laughs> and it suited sure. the character really well. Sort of the yeah. the, the scumbag uh, warlord. <laughs> yeah, he's like try, trying to come and ruin ancient tradition. <laughs> yeah, I like. Yeah, it does. It felt very uh, just I'm an asshole kind of costume, <laughs> and yeah. I like that. Um, I appreciate that. But also was, extremely sharp at the same time. I think it was also all of the time because I'm sort of guessing in my head when the bites that would have been. That probably would have been. I think that scene would have been in the eighties. Yeah, and it was very Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, for sure. I loved it, but yeah, I think that like the costume design in terms of the normal clothes that people were wearing looked great. I think there was a very cool kind of streetwear design. Uh, aspect to a lot of this it was it was literally just that that sleeveless uh shirt at the end i was just like a little bit more red and that's very nitpicky so that's that's a very minor issue when everything else looked pretty pretty spectacular in this um so yeah i think this this could be a high score where where do you land with this like an eight again or a nine maybe um i was going to go for a seven until i remembered how great the whole hong kong bit looks so i'll probably go in here yeah yeah I, I agree. And, you know, that dragon, man. <laughs> that oh, dragon's yeah. such a standout. <laughs> all right. And our, our last category then out of 10 is just how much you liked it. So uh, all, all the things you loved. Obviously, we've had some some great moments we're talking about there. Some of the comedy stuff and, and obviously the look and the action. Um, some some really wonderful things in this movie. So how, how much did you like this look out of 10? Well, to be honest, if we consider the point of cinema is ultimately entertainment, whilst I have maybe nitpicked on some things, uh, I mean, as we do as a review, ultimately, uh, <laughs> the point of cinema, as I said, is entertainment, and was I entertained? Yeah. And I would say very, very much so. I, I would agree. This was a movie that was probably greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing came together really well. I would say probably an 8 out of 10 for me 
I would I would definitely agree. I was just flicking back there. We gave Free Guy an eight as well, and we both really enjoyed that. And I would say I probably enjoyed this roundabout equally. I mean, it's hard to tell exactly, you know, but certainly in terms of scoring, uh, I think I would be I would probably enjoy this as much as I enjoyed Free Guy. I thought they were both very fun movies. And as you say, when it comes to just entertain pure entertainment, um, this very much hit all the right notes for me to mm. be entertained um for sure all right well finally to to close off we can give a bonus optional bonus five uh to kind of boost that last score so is there anything in particular in this movie that you think deserved a, a bonus point uh yeah i'm gonna advocate for a plus one for the karaoke that entertained oh, me greatly <laughs> most definitely thank you for bringing that up because i think i would have forgot to mention it that is definitely deserving of a bonus point uh most most definitely wonderful love to see it and then to the callback then when they do it in the post credits with wong yeah <laughs> unbelievably good oh yeah actually that should i feel like we didn't touch upon that but i mean i think it was about the the reforming of the 10 rings i mean that post credits scene was quite important wasn't it yeah or was yeah. it about, or was it something else was that no, in the it movie? was it was yeah, yeah, it was post credits. It was very unclear as to what it was they were talking about, but there's something in the Ten Rings about where they get their power from, and it was maybe drawing its power from some kind of another universe or another dimension. It was very vague, and it didn't really tell us anything other than something's going on here, and this is potentially going to be a, a future villain or story point that we're going to have to come back to, which is very cool. I, I, I appreciate, or I, I like rather, that they're, they're setting up how maybe these characters are gonna then intermingle with the other, with the rest of the MCU, because until that point, this was a very disconnected movie from the rest of the MCU. So I like that they're, they're making Shang-Chi and all those characters, they're gonna be integral to whatever happens kind of in the future. And potentially this is gonna be, because as we've said, we've got so many directions that the MCU is going to go now. So maybe this is another subsect of that. You know, this could be maybe this is a Dark Avengers or a whatever else, <laughs> you know, some other team. Maybe that's going to look at this and then you've got multiverse stuff and space stuff and time travel stuff. So all these different things that kind of we can have different groups maybe, you know, go off and look at. And I think that's very, very cool. Uh, but I'm glad that now these characters are going to be a part of that moving forward yeah it did all seem important in my head I, i'm yeah. sure i'm sort of not remembering something about the post credit scenes but i did, did register it as being important yeah that, i think that's all you needed to know it, it was lots of you know words that mean things in comics you know that like quantum and whatever and whatever random words that kind of mean sciencey stuff but all you really need to know is something's going on and uh and these rings are a part of it, you know? Um, so I, I think a, a bonus for for that and a bonus for the karaoke would give us two bonus points. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. I think so. All right. Well, that is going to give us a final score of 40 out of 50. Nice round number. That sounds, sounds very good. So very promising. And that puts this uh, on par with Trial of the Chicago 7 and one point above Free Guy, 
which I think sounds pretty good to me. How do you think that sounds? Yeah, it sounds about right. I keep thinking every time I hear that, that maybe we underrated the trial of the Chicago 7. <laughs> Although maybe it was their fault for not having the CGI dragon. So they, they yeah, exactly. Yeah, how do you compare a movie with and without a giant CGI dragon? You know, I feel like for me, if you tell me a movie, one movie has a giant CGI dragon and the other movie doesn't, I'm probably going to watch the one with the dragon. And uh, I'm sorry if that makes me weak. But I think it makes me strong. So <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you. But yes, as we say, our rating system means nothing. And uh, we kind of change our minds about it a lot of the time. So what does any of it mean? I don't know. It's just it's just fun. And if that doesn't kind of sum up this podcast, you know, it's a new season, but we're still the same guys. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think that's the perfect way to leave it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our review. We will move on then to our, our last segment, which is Have You Seen This? Uh, again, season two, but same guys. This is where we talk about what we've been watching or reading or doing normally in the past week. But again, it's been a, a few weeks. So anything that we've watched recently and we can chat about it. Uh, I'm going to keep on theme this week and say, look, have you seen What If? Uh, no. And I feel like I probably should have because I sort of assume at some point we're going to have to talk about it, but no, not yet. I haven't. Well, I would, I would say we maybe don't necessarily have to review it because it is, it's a, it's a fun show, but well, w- without spoiling anything, I, I would say we don't, it's not necessary that we review it, but we can, or, or I would certainly like to chat about it a bit on the podcast if we don't do a, a full review. Um, but what if is Marvel's new animated show where they're talking about basically everything we've seen in the MCU so far but they ponder the question what if so what if one small thing changed that then influenced the rest of the universe uh it's an anthology so every episode is uh looks at something different a different uh question a different slight change in in the timeline and how that kind of can can affect things um, and we've seen some really cool stuff so far. It's uh, wrapping up this week. There'll still be the final episode this week. And um, yes, we've just seen some really cool stuff. It's just it's just a lot of fun, you know, and I'm really glad that the MCU has kind of got to this point where they can do like the stuff the comics do, where they just kind of do nerd stuff and they, they do these sorts of things where it's like these crazy, ridiculous universes that you wouldn't really want to, you wouldn't want to do in a movie because it's so out there and it's, and it's so ridiculous that it's a, maybe a little bit hard to like craft an entire movie or entire series or a franchise of movies around, you know? So I, I get why they don't do this for kind of the bigger movies, but it's certainly worth doing nonetheless because they're very, very cool uh, kind of scenarios to see these characters in. And I think it's also, I think a lot of this, this series is also like just testing the waters for potential movies they could make or characters they could use and and different directions they could take with kind of the bigger movies and series um which i think is really cool because there's there's some really really cool uh, stories within it but I'll, I'll not spoil any of it because they are very cool and I, and I think uh well i i assume you'll watch it at some point but it's definitely definitely worth watching so check that out if you're a marvel fan um not that there's ever not that we're ever going to run out of Marvel stuff to watch, you know, <laughs> but uh, I think What If is definitely one worth watching. It's also an animated show, a bit different as well, kind of, again, a, a bit of a new 
route for Marvel to go down in terms of the actual MCU. You know, obviously they've had animated shows, but they've all been disconnected. So it's it's interesting and sort of I just like all this new stuff that they're trying out. You know, <laughs> that's that's the fun of of having a very successful franchise that you can kind of move on and do whatever you want. So I've I've enjoyed watching What If. Um, but look, what what have you been watching? Or before I tell you what I've watched or played or seen, uh, I'll tell you what I didn't watch, uh, which was last Sunday. I don't have any internet in my flat, so I was stuck watching oh, no. normal TV like it was the 1500s dark God. ages. Uh, <laughs> and I was looking at the schedule and I saw E4 was showing the 2016 Jason Bourne. I'm a Jason Bourne fan. I seen. Mm-hmm. The three original movies plus the Jeremy Renner one. Um, but I'd still never seen actually the 2016 one. So I thought, okay, great. Not doing anything. I watched that. So we flick onto it as it's starting. And then the sort of thing, this doesn't look like Jason Bourne. Like the colored <laughs> palette was quite strange. Uh-huh. E4 <laughs> scheduled to put on Jason Bourne. But in actual fact, on last Sunday, showed the Chronicles of Narnia: Voyage <laughs> of the Dawn Treader. What? Oh my god! So you flicked over to start watching Jason Bourne, and instead you watched Chronicles of Narnia: Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Uh, you, did you actually, watch it or did you turn it off? No, I turned it off. I just went and played <laughs> PlayStation offline instead. Like, I, I quite like the original Narn Line, The Witch and the Wardrobe, but I've never felt that much desire to watch the sequels. I will say a little bit of saw, but Will, a young Will Poulter was playing a very annoying child yeah. that, <laughs> that was intentionally annoying, so it was actually quite funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but wow. yeah, no. It's, so I didn't watch um, Jason Bourne, but uh, nor did you watch Voyage of the Dawn Treader. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. But um, I, I like this as a new segment. What have we not watched? <laughs> we just, didn't we watch. gradually roll out uh, TV shows and movies that we haven't seen before. <laughs> okay, so what I did watch, I did promise eventually once I'd seen these. <laughs> I would talk about them for a little bit, but Reese, have you seen uh, either or Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul? I have seen a, a decent portion of Breaking Bad, not all of it, and I have not seen Better Call Saul, but I know you're a big fan. Okay, so uh, in the space of several weeks, I watched all five series of uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, there's a sixth and final series coming out uh, mm. next year, I think. Uh, this was, uh, despite the fact I had only seen up to basically like a few episodes into the final series of Breaking Bad, way back in probably about 2014, 2015 time. Uh, for some reason, I never got around to finishing it. So I went ahead, watched all of Better Call Saul, absolutely fantastic. And then finally finished off Breaking Bad. And I think... This is not going to be a revolutionary opinion. Those two series are just the peak of the format of television. Uh, they're so good. Just the pacing, the writing, yeah. the characters. It's all really, really good. I mean, I would happily watch another five series of Barry Call Saul, another five series of Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, 
they've been spoken about so much already. I don't need to spend um, any more of the good folks at home's time uh, <laughs> evangelizing about them. Uh, just like offer a recommendation that if you haven't seen them, I mean, obviously, probably whilst Better Call Saul's a prequel, I would still start with Breaking Bad because uh, Better Call Saul is some flash forward scenes uh, showing what. Uh, happens with um Saul post uh, the events of Breaking Bad. Uh, but yeah, well worth the watch. And I just need to watch um El Camino, which is obviously the Breaking Bad movie. And I will yeah. finally finished off all available uh Breaking Bad universe content in anticipation <laughs> of the final series of Better Call Saul uh, next year. And who knows, there may be something else set in the same universe after that, but that's all we have for the moment. Great, great. Yes, I think all, all, I think for sure Breaking Bad will go down as one of the most classic TV shows kind of of all time, but I think uh, Better Call Saul deserves to be held up there as well alongside oh, it. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people, they kind of, it's, it's Breaking Bad and then done, and I know I haven't seen Better Call Saul, but just from, from hearing you talk about it a lot, uh, I think it it should be not forgotten about if you're a Breaking Bad fan. I think you should not ignore Better Call Saul. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Some some nice reviews. Nice to be back. Uh, we had a few weeks, so we, we had some time to actually catch up on watching stuff, which is good because sometimes I come in here and I actually haven't even watched anything for a week, unbelievably. Uh, all I've been doing is like re-watching old stuff that I've seen a million times. So nice to have some some new stuff that i've actually seen and i'm actually able to come in and talk about um so yes thank you very much for joining us thanks for coming back for a brand new season uh we're thinking of starting some new segments and some maybe some different episodes and things in the new seasons moving forward so if you have any any kind of suggestions like that please let us know uh for for some new wacky content for for the podcast as we as we move forward um but thank you very much for listening we're very happy to be back. This has been the Crack and Banter podcast. I've been Reese. He's been Luke. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can follow us on our social medias. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're, we have a subreddit. If you want to email us a question or a suggestion, you can email that to crackandbanterpod at gmail.com. Tell us what to watch and we will watch it or ask us a question and we will answer it. Um, but thank you very much for listening. Luke, could you close us out, please? Yes. I've been Luke, he's been Reese. Thank you for listening to the Crack and Banter podcast. The last thing I have to say to you is I ghost wrote Donda. Thank you for listening. See you next week. <laughs> See you next week.